I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Yeah, it's too loud, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello, you're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart, and this is my food podcast. We have our always here, unfortunately, co-host, Chris Chang. Say hello. Hi, Chris Chang. We, uh, <clears throat> last week we had a very interesting and enlightening episode about juicing and health. Steroids. <laughs> about uh, performance-enhancing Drugs. Wheatgrass usage. Um, but it, is, it was a very informative episode. Um, maybe our best to date. Easily our best. Oh. No offense to previous podcast guests. I was just on. You just, you just, it, it was very good though. I mean, I feel like that's an example of you listening to a podcast to absorb a lot of knowledge and micronutrients. And, uh, and and really learn something. For listeners at home, Jason is smugly smiling to himself. So it was a really good joke. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to the last episode with Nate Day, um, where we, we uncovered a lot of juicing questions and myths and answers that, that I wanted to know and you wanted to know. We cold press the cold hard facts out of <laughs> juicing. Was there, was there any information from that that you, or any un- unanswered questions or anything that no, but I've found myself drinking a lot more juice this past week. Yeah? Uh, yeah I usually do it, and it's usually like um, the the weekend and the week after I get paid, I'll just ball out on green juices. Okay. And then, you know, the the, the week in between, I, I get paid twice a month. Okay. For listeners at home, I'll, you know, go pretty dry, but I've been uh, doing a fairly consistent juice. So you got, the, you got the 1st and the 15th uh-huh. coming in hot with green juices? Yeah. And the rest of the time is just pizza combos and KFC meals. <laughs> so that, so you know, that's really le- letting the ladies know how much of a catch you are when, uh, when it's payday. You're not blowing it all on ladies. <laughs> blowing it on me. You're you're blowing it on something that's very good for you, something responsible and healthy. I'm worth it and nutritious because, gosh darn it, you're worth it. Thanks, Jason. Hey, no problem. How much did my mother pay you for that? <laughs> So, how much do you spend a week on juice, do you think? With, I don't know, each juice being possibly 6 to $10. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'll, I'll go back. This includes juice and smoothies. Mm-hmm. Ooh, probably a lot. I don't know, anywhere from 50 to $100 probably. A week? Yeah, now that I think about it. Amazing. That's so much money. So much of my money is going into this trend so do you think your juice and your cigarette budget is kind of on par to be about the same? Sure, yeah. Which I think is a cool way to live, if you ask me. Thanks, Jason. Because juicing is good for you, smoking is bad for you, but it's very cool. Do you, have you ever read the side of the box? <laughs> I have. The, they'll kill you, apparently. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just so great and cool. Thanks, Mom. And, you know, back back in the old days of the chef world, it seemed like every single chef was a smoker. If you weren't, you were... Uh, a sous chef. <laughs> you a were, ninny. <laughs> you, were, you were a chef named Sue. 
Oh. Are there any famous chefs? Uh, there's Suzanne Gohn. Yeah, there's some Sus. Um, so Can you imagine the jokes she heard when she was coming up in the ranks? I don't know if, it, if there are so much jokes as they'd be just a maybe a clever pun or a play on words. Like Suzanne, but spelled S-O-U-S, Zan? Oh, yeah. But doesn't it have to be funny to be a joke? Oh, Jason Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch him at the Laugh Factory on Mondays and never. <laughs> so you just went to dinner tonight at Night Market Song. I did. The very, uh, very trendy, hot Thai restaurant here in Los Angeles. Yes. Is it, are you starting to, is it starting to grow on you? What do yes. you think? It is? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, God damn it, Jason. You know, I, I'm not a huge Typhoon, typhoon fan. I'm not a huge Typhoon fan either. <laughs> apparently those things as well will kill you. Uh, yeah, those things will kill you. I feel like Typhoon is the name of like a minor league baseball team or something sure, like that. Sure, I feel like that's a Kenny Powers thing maybe. Yeah, yeah. He would, he would oh, no, play. those are the mermen, the Myrtle Beach mermen. <laughs> um... Yeah, I'm not a big Thai food fan, but I feel like that. I I really like Thai food as a pre-game drinking meal, pre-party meal, because that kind of food really encourages drinking. Uh, because it's so salty and spicy, you're just they just plop it all down with really cold beer, and you just want to keep chugging it and chugging it. But then it's a little bad for going out because you're just usually really full and sweaty and sweaty with volatile Thai chilies. Did you say volatile? <laughs> I did not say volatile. I said volatile. Volatile that, that Swedish, you know, Ukrainian <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> um, I think it's, I think the exact opposite. I think it's a really horrible going out food because you're so full you never want to be full if you're trying to talk to any uh, anyone in general. Right. Well, you're I, sweaty. Your breath smells. It's not my favorite, but I th I find it to be a I don't know. I just it's it's a fun because you're everyone's sharing everything, and you're kind of sure. I get that. You're trying usually more adventurous foods that are kind of exciting and like and the hot Thai chilies. You know they kind of invigorate you and give you a boost of. Aphrodisiacs, if you will. Not aphrodisiac and not energy, but it just it's something. It, it awakens your senses with all those hot chilies. Okay. In a way that Mexican food doesn't really do it just because well, it's... Yeah, I think, it's, Mexican, it's, I think a good pre-party meal is a sandwich. No, I, I think the ultimate pre-drinking meal is sushi. That's gross. Why is that gross? Because your breath will smell horrible. What? It's a very clean and neutral food. Yeah, but I mean, White how many rice and how many sushi restaurants fish? do you go to where the fish doesn't smell? Well, the most sushi is not that fresh. We're pretty inland. If you're going to a decent to good sushi restaurant, it's going to be fresh fish that doesn't smell bad. And no, and people don't. Do people get bad breath from fish? I get fish burps. And also, if you eat like an oily fish, if you're eating like a salmon skin salad, mm -hmm. you're just gonna smell bad. Forever. Well, I think sushi in general, when you're drinking, it sits pretty light on your stomach. It's your body doesn't really need to do much digesting. It's just rice and raw fish, and it's it's not super filling. 
and it encourages you to to do sake shots and drink beer and i th- i feel like it creates a great base for an evening full of uh, alcohol we live very different lives jason <laughs> i don't i also am one of those rare people that don't enjoy drinking and eating together mm. i don't like getting kind of tips and uh feeling full oh okay we we do this all the time though we we talk about this all the time yeah, but alcohol, I mean, being drunk really encourages appetite so much yeah, for I, me. No, it's supposed to. I heard like it's, I've read up on it a long time ago when I was in college and I was like, you know, eager to learn and be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, that apparently like there's an enzyme that your your body's like, tr- your body has to work harder to digest it basically. And so your body thinks it's working super hard, which is why you get hungry. Even if you're full, when you're drinking, mm-hmm. really? Have you heard of this thing called drunchies? <laughs> That's a drunk munchies. Yes, yes. No, I haven't heard that word actually. You've never heard drunchies? No, I mean most people get you, munchies even in a sorority from from smoking weed, but that never happened to me. Oh. Whenever I smoke weed, I'm uber conscious of what I'm eating, and all I want to do is drink water and brush my teeth. <laughs> Whereas if I'm drunk, I just want to like brush your teeth. <laughs> yeah, like did you get your weed from your dentist? <laughs> no, it's like at the end of the night when you come home after a night of drinking, all you want to do is just like kick your shoes off and jump in bed and pass out, and like you will oftentimes miss your evening regimen of, you know. Washing your face, brushing your teeth, whatever it might Wait, do be. Do you do these things when you, when you go to bed? <laughs> I don't wash. I, I like to brush my teeth before I go to bed, but I don't wash my face. Yeah, I mean, yeah just yeah, But it. a lot of people, you know, have all these things that they do. But when they're drunk, it all goes out the window. You know, like girls will wake up with their makeup still on and their, you know, uncomfortable outfits that they were wearing before. But when I smoke weed at night. I'm like, okay, I'm going to arrange my everything nicely. I'm going to make sure I brush my teeth and, and drink water, and I'm going to... So drugs make you ambitious. Just marijuana. That's weird. Maybe all drugs do. All drugs except for, like... Um, heroin I've makes never, you kill yourself. I've never done heroin, but all drugs except for, like, uh, pills, like uh, painkillers and, and Xanax and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That makes me just not even want to stand up. I feel like we talk about drugs a lot on this podcast. You know, it's uh, it's exciting for people. Flavor compounds. I mean, I feel like talking about drugs, it turns some people off, but for the majority, if you're the kind of person who likes doing drugs, which is like half of the people, then it's interesting to you. And most people who don't do drugs are at least sort of fascinated by it and would like to hear a little insight into that world. So it's kind of exciting in a naughty way to them. A naughty way. <laughs> um, speaking of sororities <laughs> and colleges, um, I was reading there is a Harvard study that showed restaurants that have open kitchens. Spell Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> restaurants that have open kitchens. Restaurants that have open kitchens, for the most part, um, Put out food that eaters 
think tastes better than restaurants without open kitchens for whatever psychological reason. I think it's just because if you can see your meal get prepared. Yeah, but... It, it makes you think you have more control over it, I guess, even if you really don't. Uh, it's that, and it also shows the customer that you have nothing to hide and you're not ashamed of what's going on because, you know, oftentimes it's portrayed in movies and TV that the kitchen is kind of like this mysterious kind of no man's land that of of stuff that's going on back there like that's where you go back and like all the food that you didn't eat the waitresses and waiters are like chowing down the scraps and like you know people are drinking and saying bad words and like listening to ACDC listening to ACDC on the radio and you know dropping dropping food on the ground and laughing and picking it up and dusting the hair off and putting it on the plate and and whatever it might be, you know, putting, you know, way more butter, way more butter than you thought was in your dish in there, and w w all these, all these different things. And when you have an open kitchen, you might feel like they're they they've got nothing to hide, so it subconsciously makes you think it, the food is better. Sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have nothing to say. I think just if you can see it being done. You have less questions about the process. Like if someone presented you a Lego kit as a child, fully assembled, uh, you'd be like, well, this get here, and you'd break it apart because the human mind is curious. <laughs> but if you have the pieces and the directions and you can see yourself do it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think that also goes along with food tastes better when you make it yourself. I agree with that. <clears throat> it's a labor of love. That's the same with children. Have you ever tried to eat an adopted child? <laughs> it's all rubbery and I, I thought you were gonna, I, I thought you were going to mean... No, oh God, no, no, Children no. that you have no. produced yourself, you, oh. you like them more than children oh. that you haven't well, produced yeah, that yourself. too, but they taste better too. <laughs> I also read, speaking of eating humans, I also read there was, uh, there's, there's three people who were arrested for making pastries like meat pies um making Johnny Depp movie making and selling pastries that had human flesh in it <laughs> next <laughs> which uh i mean i guess is food oriented but that's I yeah mean, it kind of is but like wh how do you what kind of black market does that exist in where, and why, where did you read this and where was it? It was on, it was online. When I was, I don't remember where exactly, but. It, Internet's a small place, huh, Jason? <clears throat> I mean, it was a, it was a real story. It wasn't on some like bizarre gossip thingy. It was national, I don't know if it was national, but it was, it was a real story. But like, of all the ways to prepare human flesh, why are you doing it in a pastry? Well, in meat pie, you can't really taste it because it's just like gloopy. Mm. Like uh, like the Johnny Depp movie where he's the barber, the the Fleet Street thing. Edward Scissorhands. No, yes, Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're talking it was about. One of the you know it's from a few years ago, but it was like and Johnny they... Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, a Tim Burton vehicle. Okay, where like set in you know when everything was was black and gray and smoky in, okay. in England. Oh, was it the, the Fleet Street Barber? That or was like that? um, 
Oh, I know what you're talking about. Well, anyway, they make meat pies out of human beings in that movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, wait, spoil it. Nah, you know what? No. You get a month before the, you don't have to say spoiler alert. I've it's heard that... Um, oh, Sweeney Todd. Yep, Sweeney Todd. I've heard that human flesh smells a lot like pork when it's being cooked, <laughs> which is why they consider pigs to be... Uh, an abomination in many religious worlds. I thought it was just because it was gross. Because, like, pigs are in mud always. Well, I mean, that's one thing, but I also heard another reason why is because of, you know, the days of cannibalism, whatever. It smelled. The days of cannibalism? Was cannibalism, like, a like fairly regular practice at some point? I don't know, but I mean, it obviously, I don't know if it was fairly regular, but. Maybe it was a cannibalism, but all, or and also like when they would like burn humans at the stake to, you know, punish them for their crimes. Or like you know cremation. Or cremation, yeah. It's it smells like a like a Louisiana smokehouse over there. <laughs> so. But I've heard that the flesh, both in smell and flavor and and visually, is very similar to pork. Pork cracklins. Cracklins. I had I had uh, some some chicharron tonight for dinner. Actually, where did you eat dinner? Cacao. <laughs> Is that your safe word? <laughs> that's uh, yes. That's the Portlandia joke. When I'm being too dirty. <laughs> Cacao is a great yeah. safe word. That's such a Portlandia safe yeah. word. Yeah. Uh, I like that, don't you? Uh, it was a chicharron burrito, and it was amazing. You just had pork rinds in a burrito. It was it was a burrito with pork rinds, guacamole, radishes, and cheese. Pretty tight. Pretty tight. <laughs> Probably not good for you at all. Um. All right, Christmas is coming up very soon, mm-hmm. and you're a Korean. Okay. What do Koreans do for Christmas? Uh, I don't know. Visit our grandmothers. Food wise, do you uh, guys do you guys celebrate it in in the Chang household? It's it's like kalbi chim, which is like that you know the short rib sort of stewed dish. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure everyone's sort of had had it. Not really. So that's know. that's the dish where it's like the braised short rib. Yeah, it's braised short rib, and it's like like most people think of a Korean short rib as the long long way right. slice, long way. But it's it's the uh, I don't know how to describe. They're this. more like chunks. Yeah. Like stew meat yeah. chunks that are braised forever. <laughs> and it, that's that's probably when it's done correctly. That's probably the most delicious Korean food dish yeah, I've ever it's, had. Yeah, it's it's the Korean version of like bojujang or pot roast. Yes. Yeah. But when they when they do pot roast, do they use they don't do short ribs with it, do no, they? No, pot roast is a seven bone roast. What's a seven bone roast? It's a, I think it's a chuck that has the bone in still. Oh, okay. And it looks like a seven. Oh, okay. It doesn't have seven bones in no, it. No, 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 no. I've never heard of seven bone roast. Maybe uh, you shouldn't have a food podcast. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> um, what is bourguignon? Like what cut? Uh, I don't brisket? know. Brisket? Some sort of brisket? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we do this podcast to learn and teach each other. A seven bone roast, Jason. and our listeners at home. 
I just had, I went to Whole Foods today and got all kinds of samples. Let's hear it. I got pork ribs. Wait, what? Yes. I don't really sample things when I go to Whole Foods. <clears throat> I just go to the salad bar and I'm in and out. Well, I was reading, my friend sent me this article, like, Whole Foods hacks, like stuff you can do there. Uh-huh. And, like, you can pretty much sample whatever you want. Uh-huh. And all you have to do is ask for it, and it's fine. And, yeah, I had that, and I always... I always do that, and I always go to the salad bar and get the uh, I get a salad dressing cup, and I fill it with soup. <laughs> and I fill it with soup. And I fill it, it with soup. It sounded like a Kirsten Wig as Gilly on SNL right now. And I fill it with soup. And I fill it with soup. Uh, what's your favorite soup at Whole Foods? Clam chowder or cream of tomato. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of their gumbo. It's kind of weird, smelly, like fishy, but yeah, all of their all of their best all. stuff is the seafood stews. If you ask me, they do a they do a corn corn and lobster corn crab bisque. Oh, that's what it is. They do a bouillabaisse. base. <laughs> is that how you say it? Yeah, I didn't know that. How did you think it was? I don't know. I just looked at it and just gave up. I really? The, I looked at the word. I've taken French for listeners at home. Uh huh. And I just I looked at it. And I, nope, not gonna try saying you, that. Really? And you've never that. heard that word said out loud? No. no. In my head, of like you know, adhering to French uh, pronunciation rules and regulations. Okay. Be like bouillabaisse. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's so wrong. No, that sounds like you're like a Cajun guy living in the bayou. No, it doesn't. It sounds like a French man. We're gonna wrestle up some bouillabaisse. <laughs> so so that that dish at Christmas is the only thing that you guys do really? I feel like that's that's the thing you do. Okay. I don't know. I feel like, you know, throughout my life my family But what about Koreans in general? Do you know? I feel like it must be that. Okay. But I feel like we've always switched like we'll do that with kimchi and rice and like, you know, other side dishes. So or one year, you know, we'll do a turkey or it's it generally just involves meat. And whatever else. Is so around. that's so that's is would that be considered like your version of the the yeah, turkey or know. the ham? Kind I don't of really thing? know how traditional it is, but yeah, sure, I'll go with yes. But there have been years where we'll do turkey or ham or both. Or is the turkey just regular turkey? Yeah. You don't do any cool Korean you know, stuff to it. I mean, I wasn't old enough to cook when my mom was like, still had the fire to like, yeah, we'll do a turkey. <laughs> and it just it was so dry. She doesn't have the fire anymore. She doesn't have the fire in her anymore. Are you? Do you ever feel encouraged to cook for your family? Uh, no, not really. I have very Korean palates. Like whenever I make food for my parents, they're like, "It's so salty." Or oh, really? Yeah, my we have very different palates. I f- I find the same thing with my family, but not for not for salt, but just for. Any type of adventurous eating it's too crazy whatsoever well, and the thing is, um like I've said this before, I feel like a lot of Asian food is like more perfumed, it's not necessarily bland, mm-hmm. it's more perfumed than anything, and like there's you know like when you get um like pork's feet, pig's feet, mm-hmm. and it's like cold and it's sliced and it's served to you like you know. It's completely unseasoned, but it's been simmering and like garlic and ginger and like, you know, a bunch of stuff that you can like smell on your palate. But mm-hmm. 
but then you dip it into like a sauce or like a salt, you know, like. So I feel like, and there's that like it's a there's a chicken soup called takdori tang, mm-hmm. and you take a chicken and you stuff it inside the the crevice. You put like like dates and ginger and garlic and onions and and you just let that. Are dates boil. a Korean thing? Will they do Koreans mess uh, with that? Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know how cool. Korean they are, but they're in. I feel like a good amount of dishes. So you stuff the chicken cavity <laughs> with. Uh, so you say with aromatics. So you say crevice and no laugh, and I say cavity, and then you do laugh. Well, you have a dirty mind, Jason. Cavity crevice is way more dirty than cavity. Only for E forty, because <laughs> when E forty says crevice, he means lady parts. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, crevice could be anything, but you know, they can have. Uh, Chickens can have all kinds of parts. But yeah. so so you stuff that with dates, garlic, ginger, what else? Uh probably onion. And then you boil it in and water. You boil it in water. Um and <laughs> and the stuff doesn't fall out. No, I am sure you sew it up. Okay. So what do you know what the benefit of stuffing the crevasse instead of just having those aromatics floating around in the water? Um I really don't know. I feel like someone thought it was like a good idea. In the same way, I mean, if you roast a chicken or a turkey, you're usually stuffing it with like onions or lemon and herbs just to like sort of perfume the meat from the inside. Sure. And for moisture content. Okay. Okay. I don't know. What um, what are you what are you looking forward to cooking for this holiday season with your new Lake Crusade? Pork shoulder on Sunday with you. Oh yeah, we're gonna make some some tacos. Tacos. Oaxacan tacos with Cat from Forage. Hi, Cat. What's up? Yeah, the uh, the next episode we might be coming live from a taco party at my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. What, funny. Wait, what did you? What did you... <laughs> um. So what do you, what do you do? Do you just do a traditional American Thanksgiving and Christmas? Yeah, uh, for my family. I, it's weird. I've found that that Thanksgiving is the one holiday where I don't try to f- try to flex my culinary skills. Oh, you let Mama do the work. <clears throat> Mama and Grandma. It's one of those. It's one of those weird things where, like, it can be. I learned over my many years on this earth that when I first started getting into cooking. And thought I was how like, many years? <laughs> so many. Like when when I first really was into cooking, like maybe you know in my early twenties, mid twenties, whatever. And I was and I how start- long ago was that? <laughs> Ten years ago. Ah! <laughs> I was uh, I was very into like oh I'm gonna. I thought I knew you from a museum. I'm gonna show these guys. How I make my cool food up in LA. I'm gonna come down to suburbia and wow them with my hip dishes with uh, trendy ingredients and all that stuff. Like star anise? <laughs> no, not star anise. I don't know what was big then. <laughs> what was big back then? I don't. I mean, just like you know, just like using the the better, more culinary ingredients instead of just the plain old ones. Like it's, it's lost on them, isn't it? It I don't mean that as a dish, as a diss at all. But it's I not feel lost like on all older people, but most parents, yeah, most. And yeah. there are some families that are more adventurous than others, but most of them aren't. And 
I would I would make all these dishes and they would just be like, what is this? I don't get it. It's just it's too spicy. It's too garlicky. It's too whatever it might be. Too say garlicky again. Garlicky. Is that how your grandma says it? Garlicky, <laughs> like G A E, like they say an extra e before the r. Garlicky. Garlicky. <laughs> Sweetheart, it's too garlicky. It's just too garlicky, Jason. And I learned. It took me like two or three years to just be like this is not about me it's about them family this well it's a it's about you know the mom and the or the grandma or the aunt like the person who's been cooking this meal for decades who has that has it their way and they do it once a year and this is their their show and you as a child just have to sit back and smile and enjoy it hey write a fucking book (laughs) (laughs) but i'm you know for for our listeners who might want to learn and know you know you have to you know a lot of times the holidays are not in that enjoyable for a lot of people i agree all right so let's let's do this if you and i were doing thanksgiving yes well we'll probably do a friendsgiving but if we were doing a proper you know like all our parents suddenly died tomorrow and we had nowhere to go. <laughs> and so on Thanksgiving, it was just you, me, a couple of our friends and a, a glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would we make? Well, I w- for Thanksgiving, I, I, w- I believe that every, every dish, you know, you should always stick to the classics. Okay. But everyone should have their own, you know, your own version and spin on it. And, you know, of, of course, a turkey. Turkey mash, stuffing. Yeah, turkey mash, stuffing. Cran. Gravy. I was never a big cran fan, but you got to have the cran there. Yeah, I, I mean, the cran is really for the uh, sandwiches tomorrow. And I was actually never a fan of that either. Really? Yeah. That took me a while, but I really got into them. Anyway, um,. Like, but like, I, like for my like when my grandma will make a turkey, she will like she'll get the butterball from Vons and love it and thaw it out and she'll like cook it in a plastic bag. That oh, my my mom did that in her turkey years. Yeah, like and it had some soy sauce marinated with the gizzards inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you it know, didn't work. <laughs> but and it just kind of comes out whatevery, and some of it's okay, some of it's dry, whatever it might be, and then. You know, I, w- I want to go in there and, like, we should try brining it. And then there's this method where you start the oven at this and you move it down to this and do this. And you get you want to get the skin dark. Like, whenever you're roasting a bird, like, the whole goal is to have that dark, brown, crispy skin and juicy insides. And that, I feel like that's really hard to do with a turkey compared to a chicken. Yeah, because it's so much more meat. Yeah, it's just so massive and, and st- stupidly large. But... Have you been noticing though? Um, a lot of like you know chefs that we sort of follow don't brine the turkey, and they just you know they cook it long enough and they get it right. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And I've heard of a uh, dry brining lately too. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sort of more into the idea of not brining <laughs> and just doing like a smoked turkey, low and slow. Oh, and I think that's substantially better because. I feel like, you know, of course you want moisture in the meat, but when there's too much moisture, like you can't, you have to cook out all the moisture in order to get that crispy skin now. And I feel like, you know, by then you're drying out parts that were perfect. 
you know, like 20 to 30 minutes ago. Yeah, because um, usually when you have it, the legs are juicy and moist and delicious, and then the breast is overcooked and dry, which is just kind of how it goes. And now it seems like the trend this year is, is spatchcocking the chicken, I mean, or the turkey. I would never do that. Why not? Only because I think the turkey as like a visual centerpiece, that's how it needs to look. In my head, that's how it is traditionally. That's why I'd never deep fry a turkey either. If you smoke a turkey, it looks like a roasted turkey still. Right. And that's, I feel like that's such a big part of, like, it's the centerpiece of the table. That's true. And I would never pre, like, carve a turkey before taking it to the table. Well, I there, love that's my another, family. I was, that's a, that's a, apparently, it's a turkey faux pas to carve at the table. Really? Nowadays. But, if, have you ever read a Highlights for Children magazine? <laughs> well, they're saying, what you should do is have all the stuff, all the side dishes out on the table ready to go, and then the the husband brings in, the, the dad of the family brings in the roasting pan with the whole turkey and sits it on the table and everyone goes, ooh, ooh, and then the wife takes it back into the kitchen, is supposed to take it away, go to the kitchen, and then carve it, and then bring it out on a new platter for everyone to eat. Is, I don't like that. Well, Who I told you this lie. Bon appetit. Who told them that lie? It, it makes sense in some ways, though, because sure, carving is messy. I get it, but it's so messy. But that's you know that's the fifties American television way. Yeah, and I feel like it. It it's part of it for me. I don't know. It, it, but it, it's. I feel like that that time is is time to change. Because the way revolutionary turkey opinions, the way Jason. the way that you carve a turkey, prime you know normally is like you have you're kind of cutting it in a weird way with cut the, down the spine and then you angle it. That's not how people do it though. That's how you're supposed to do it. Mm, that's not really. I mean, you ideally you should be cutting the whole breast off completely and then segmenting the breast up. Right. I know. That's what you mean. You go down the nobody really, like on TV or in the movies, classically, you leave the breast on the carcass and then you shave off slices just gradually down, gradually down, gradually down, and then... That's their fault then. I I think you can... If you know how to carve a bird properly, like, you can do it at the table. And then although... Most people don't. You know, the shredded meat at the bottom that you leave for, you know... Stews or sandwiches mm-hmm. the next day, like you just leave it on the carcass. And all, I, I think another thing is when you're carving something so big as a turkey, it, it really helps to have your hand, like one hand and a knife instead of like a, a fork and a knife. Like you'll have the big carving fork that you stick it in to control it. Mm-hmm. But that really doesn't offer much assistance. You really need to like put a rubber glove on and hold it. W- with your actual hand to sure. to properly do it, and nobody wants to see your hands all over this meal you're about to eat. So when your grandmother comes to the that's table... That's where an open kitchen does not benefit you, <laughs> to call so, back. So when your grandma brings a turkey to the table this year, are you going to... Well, she doesn't. It's too heavy. <laughs> if When your brother, Chris, <laughs> brings the turkey to the table this year... yeah. Are you guys going to look at it and then uh, have your mother take it back to slice? No, no, we are not. You're going to carve it at the table. No. I carve it in the kitchen 
put it on a plate and then put the plate on the table. You're dead to me. <laughs> You're not even white. What do you care? I'm so white. Look at the color of my skin. <laughs> you are whiter than I'm whiter You're than whiter you. than I am in in most parts of yeah, your body. Yeah. Um but one but usually and usually that Thanksgiving turkey sucks. It's not even yeah, enjoyable. It does. But that's not the point. The point is to be thankful and to enjoy your family. Yes. And not be a brat, Jason. But yeah, that's 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 the callback that I for the point that I wanted to make is let Thanksgiving is not about you. It's about it's your not parents. It's about the food. It, either, really, it's huh? not even about the food. It's about your family's food traditions that most of them are if you're a foodie or a very food conscious person might not be up to your standards but you that's one holiday where it's best to grin and bear it and just eat it with a smile and say it's delicious because there's kids in Uganda who would love a piece of dry turkey <laughs> that is true but you should you should plan and also most families traditionally will have their thanksgiving meal early in the day like my family will do thanksgiving dinner at like four i always we we always did that and i thought it was a fluke just because my like you know mom or aunt or whoever was cooking the turkey that year mm-hmm. was just mistiming it <laughs> um and then you know you you'd go to watch a movie <clears throat> but now that you're an adult you just go back and i never understood why thanksgiving is just served your, earlier in the day I, i'd like to i guess i should have researched I feel that like it's a timing thing i feel like People time their turkeys wrong. Yeah, and they think you know they freak out because I feel like most people don't cook as much as you know yeah. you or myself on a regular basis, and you know six hours, and then they'll eat it right away, which is probably why it's dry as well. Yeah, like they don't, you know, they just think it's gonna take like a six hours of time and gotta start it early in the day and and mm-hmm. all that, and I just don't think they know how a kitchen works well i think i think what my plan has been for the last couple of years which is advice that i'd like to give you is if you are if you do go home to your family for thanksgiving and they live close enough to you to go home without flying somewhere go and do the early dinner with your family don't eat too much because it's food that you probably don't like all that much I everything Thanksgiving for my family will make deviled eggs and green bean casserole and leave everything else to them. Don't eat too much of that. How Bon Appetit magazine of you? <laughs> no, that's not. That's that's classic Americana. Continue. Right there. And I just had an amazing deviled egg last night at Sunny's Hideaway in Highland Park. It was a smoked deviled egg. That was delicious. And I'm a deviled egg snob. It was so good. Um, but for your family meal, go down. Have your not so enjoyable food, only eat a little bit of it, and then go drive back home to your friends and have your friends giving where everybody's drinking, everybody's saying bad language and talking about funny stuff and saying things that you don't want to say around your parents. And then you can prepare your hipster dishes of du jour and then you have two birds, one stone. Literally. Two <laughs> Literally. birds and then get stoned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you can smoke cigarette, smoke pot, have wine, shots. Smoke put. Smoke put, have wines. And and then, you know, the week, every every Thanksgiving, 
I, I buy my ingredients for the deviled eggs. I buy my ingredients for the green bean casserole. And then I buy a loaf of really good sourdough bread, a block of cheddar cheese, a package of regular lettuce, and then I make the same sandwich every day for the rest of the week until I run out of turkey meat. <laughs> Which is the best part of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Is having sourdough, mayonnaise, turkey, lettuce, cheddar, a little stuffing. Um, do you ever make like a casserole afterwards? No. I feel like if you have really dry meat and you put it in like a moist uh, environment like a casserole or a stew, okay. you salvage it kind of. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. I think I've done like a casserole before. I haven't done, I feel like you could do a chili or something. I haven't done it, but I'm sure. I'd love to see you making just a quaint little grandma's quaint. casserole. Yeah, watch me, bitch. What 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 happens in your casserole? I've never even made a casserole other than You've the never green. Never made a casserole. I've made a green bean casserole. No, we've made we've made leftovers casserole before. Which one? The Rafi's place one when you line the thing. Oh, that's more of a. Uh, that's, that's a casserole. It's more of a quiche. It's. Well, do you put eggs in it? Oh yes. Oh, I've made it. That's I've my made, that's my special recipe that I've created. That's going in my cookbook. I've made tons of like leftovers casseroles like that though. I or love I'll do a leftovers, like leftovers like uh, with you know if we have extra Thai food. At I guess the I don't even know the definition of casserole. I feel exactly. like a casserole is a you get a nine by thirteen <laughs> and you just whatever you've got goes in there and you put some sort of topping on it. It's like a it's like a uh, redneck lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> redneck lasagna, yeah, just some sort of layered like. Whatever is you left. You just mix a bunch of, of slop together, put it in a in a baking dish, and then put some three seventy five cr- for thirty five crunchy to 40. stuff on top. Yeah, three seventy five for forty. And like cheese and crunchy stuff on top. All right, I looked up the definition of casserole in Wikipedia. Okay, let's go. Casserole is a French word, which means sauce, which means saucepan. It's a large deep dish used in the oven and a serving vessel used for food cooked and served in such a vessel. The cookware itself and the food itself is called a casserole. Usually consists of meat, a starchy binder, various chopped oh. vegetables, and a crunchy or cheesy topping. Hey, uh. Hey, uh. I don't know about you guys, but my Hanes briefs are. <laughs> um, speaking of deviled eggs, have you heard about this, this company called Just Mayo? Uh yes. Yeah? I think so. They're they're recently in the news. It's basically this new company. The no. <clears throat> I f- from, felt like maybe I saw it on the show. This shelves. new company from San Francisco, this guy basically developed a fully plant-based mayonnaise that's like very earth-friendly and sustainable and there's no added preservatives, there's no sugars and it's not too much salt, all the stuff. And it's like it's vegan? And it's vegan, but it's it wasn't meant to be a vegan mayonnaise substitute. It's just a plant based mayonnaise. And what, I what is what's in it? Um they're they use a uh Is it like what's in veganaise? Veganaise has a lot of chemicals in it. It's like really? yeah, a lot of vegan foods and and veganaise um they have they have to use a lot of 
kind of weird xanthums and lectins and to act as like a kind of agent, man-made like yeah man-made things to stabilize things and and have it be those are foods that are like vegan they're meant to be vegan first and then food second kind of thing kind of like uh yeah sort of or like that restaurant veggie grill like it's vegan but it ain't good for you kind of thing yeah. it's just if you keep up with this diet you can eat it um it's like a bunch of my friends that were you know vegetarian in high school because of hardcore would just they all gained weight because all they were eating was del taco like quesadillas and fries exactly um or you know so many diet foods diet cokes or skinny girl margaritas that you may not have hey bethany <laughs> it may not have calories but it has a bunch of other horrible shit in there but this mayonnaise was made and i tasted it and it really is maybe the best mayonnaise i've ever had flavor wise like better than cubes I don't know if it's better than QP, but it's, I mean, like, compared to any normal mayonnaise, it's by far... Better than best foods. Better than, like, almost every mayonnaise I've ever had. And it, there's no eggs in it, which is very revolutionary. If you are a mayonnaise lover, you literally cannot have mayonnaise without eggs in it. And this, this happened, and then uh, the company that owns Hellman's mayonnaise found out about it and sued them... Because they used the word mayo in the name. Hellman's owns the word mayo. No, they don't own the word mayo. But this company is called Just Mayo. <clears throat> and Hel- Hel- Hellman's is saying that calling your product mayo, which is an abbreviation for mayonnaise, you can't legally call your product mayonnaise unless it has eggs in it. So there, it was basically just like them trying to find a loophole because they saw this product come out. Those they taste it and they're like, and they're like, oh shit, shit we're bricks. yeah, like we could be up shit. You know, it's kind of like when Uber came around and taxis started getting scared. You know, if you pooped mayonnaise, <laughs> would you still eat mayonnaise? Um. <laughs> <laughs> and if you eat like you no. know, a lot of Mediterranean food, you get garlic aioli. <laughs> really? That's what you're getting from all of this? Yes. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst ever. So, moral of the story, you should uh you should support this company called Just Mayo because they're they're doing the Lord's work and I think you should encourage them to uh you know to push the boundaries of mayonnaise <laughs> for, for listeners at home our friend is on the couch over here and he's just looking at pretty much nude girls on instagram and i can't not pay attention <laughs> <laughs> all right stop looking at the pretty much nude girls on instagram so we can unnamed finish this friend. podcast our unnamed friend um do you like pappy van winkles Whiskey? Oh, I, I heard something about it. Uh, I've never had it because I'm poor. <laughs> I've never had it either. Because you're poor. <laughs> yeah, but there is a there is a a bar in Louisville, Kentucky, that is selling Pappy Van Winkle Jello shots for ten dollars. That sucks. And, and they're getting a huge backlash because everyone thinks that's sacrilegious. Well, <sighs> but they're. 
Which is very obvious for listeners at home. If they don't know, Pappy Van Winkle is kind of like the holy grail. The holy grail of is of it bourbon, or of, is it? Uh, I think it's bourbon. Okay. Yeah, or just you know some of whiskey. of whiskey in general. It's kind of like the that's the the Cadillac, the the greatest whiskey goat, maybe of all time. And they have you know ten year and twenty year, eighteen year, fifteen year, and they. They're very rare. They're very hard to find, and they're sold out all the time. They they go for hundreds of dollars, and people lust after them. They're kind of like the the white truffle of of whiskey, and then but in the last couple of years there was such a crazy fuss over it that this company, which I I kind of see their point. They're like, this is so ridiculous. We're just going to make Jello shots out of it to show you guys like. We ballin', kind of we ballin', but they're just kind of like trolling, which I I always respect yeah, a troll. I think that's funny. It's funny, but there's I mean I've be- also never had it. If it was a product that I loved and held dear to me, like if I was Anthony Bourdain, I'd be really that's mad true. About it, I'm sure. But you know when I feel like there's certain things like for whiskey to really like when people are a crazy wine connoisseur, I get that. But for for so many people, whiskey is just like you drink this to get drunk. Oh yeah, and, I, and when that's you like get the worst demographic is the the guy who's in no whiskey guy. <laughs> that guy is like, I don't know if he's worse than the craft beer guy, but he's like on par with he the craft be. beer yeah, guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's his beard is more do like special. Tra- do you like bullet? Do you like uh, was it Buffalo Trace? Like all very like you know starter one hundred and one whiskey kits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the worst guys in the world. So, so yeah, kill yourselves. Whiskey is yeah, and and yeah, you, whiskey will make you talk like how you're talking right now. I, I'm sober, which is which is funny. But I mean, it's it's a it's an alcohol that you drink to get silly and angry and fight people and say funny stuff and throw stuff off of a bridge and just be a maniac. And then Yell at Amanda, your ex-wife. And then, yeah, when, and then there's people kind of sitting around with it, you know, with a holding one pinky up and looking up into the stars while they're swishing it around their mouth and discussing the the peach leaf notes of the earth and soil. You know, save it for the wine. I say, I I, I applaud the Jello shot. Well, no, and you get a Jello shot for ten dollars. But I I, I just. You know, after shooting on the whiskey guy's chest, <laughs> I'm also going to say, like, a good scotch is, you know, you can really, you can really taste everything that goes into a good scotch. That's very true. That's very true. But I think there is such a curve for whiskeys and hard alcohol, or any, any hard alcohols, because for wine, you can have a bottle of wine all to yourself and get, you know, pretty good and drunk, pretty toasty. And the whole time you're experiencing and enjoying all those subtleties and flavors, but with with whiskey, after you have you can't drink a bottle of it. After you have a couple pappy neats, I mean, like I've seen on you know, like Mind of a Chef, they go to the Pappy Van Winkle plant and they go to the whiskey tasting and like. You know, eight minutes into the tasting, they're all everyone is red faced <laughs> after their third eighteen year neat, and they're just like, and like nobody ca- like you could be feeding them Jim Bean at that point, and they're just like, oh, you know, it's whiskey, and that. So, if you have the good stuff, always drink that first because by the end of the night, it all tastes the same. 
<laughs> but I would like to try a a, a Pappy Tin. There's been also a lot of talk about Suntory lately because. Oh really? Is it their? I th- it's not Suntory the, times. Yeah, like one of their whiskeys won like you know the top award this year, like one of their scotches. But you can't call it that because it's not from Scotland. Mm. But uh, it beat out you know beat out a lot of Scottish scotch. Really? Yeah. Suntory. Yeah, wait, remember my is scotch tape just regular tape that beats its kids? <laughs> <laughs> you always gotta get one in there. Scots. Um, I We're coming love, for you, NPR. I really do love Suntory. It's really delicious. Suntory, I've had before, and it's really scotchy scotch. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you drink it, and it's it'll single malt scotch. Like it's it's shoe leather scotch. I love it. You're it's just, so good. You almost have to smoke a cigar or a cigarette with it just to balance it out. Yeah, no, and there's I forget which one. I think it's the Yamazaki. Like there's one yeah, yeah, yeah. that is just smoke city. It just it's tastes like you're drinking so fire, smoky. and it's it's so good. I love it though. What would what do you think you would? Because I think it's too smoky for my my oh, del- no, my, my angelic palate. Tastes like a campfire. <sighs> Maybe uh, what what needs to be paired with that? A marshmallow with that? No. A doubled egg? I don't know. Mayonnaise? Nothing. A good a good time and a. We need to make a, a good woman with a, a filthy mouth. Okay, we need to one up the Jello shot and make Pappy Van Winkle mayonnaise. That's disgusting. I don't want to see you do that ever. <laughs> Why not? And then that's gross. A, a, a BLT with Pappy Van Winkle mayonnaise. Ooh, now we're getting somewhere, aren't we? No, <laughs> I've never had Pappy Van Winkle. No, not at all. But it's it's bourbon. You you can you I mean you know what it's gonna Fine. taste like. It's gonna taste you know. Corn. It's gonna taste like, like what are, you've had a glass of really good bourbon before. Sure. You've had a glass of bullet rye. <laughs> It's a bullet it's a, rye is not bourbon. It's a great twenty dollar bottle of whiskey. No bullet bourbon is bourbon, dummy. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I, I know, but <laughs> I, oh my god, I'm the whiskey guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fell into my trap. Uh, your your beard is growing. Finally, your your mustache is curling. Puberty, where you at? <laughs> I'm waiting. Your, your sweater vest is coming in nicely. Um, I feel like. It's just going to taste like a very good version of that. And, you know, like when you get a really good hand-ground burger compared to In-N-Out. You know, they both taste great. One of them is just more complex and and for the heads. Sure. So, Pappy Van Winkle mayonnaise, we're coming for you. I feel like uh, mayonnaise, the whiskey itself will directly break down any emulsion that you hope to achieve between... Egg yolks and oil. <laughs> I feel like that'll completely ruin it, but you never know. I don't know. Mm. You wouldn't have to put that much in there. Oh, I like, would want it to be thick with it. No, but like, you know, have you Just ever... Just a whisper? Have you ever baked with, like, bourbon? Like, yeah. One shot is almost too much. Like you know a what? Shot of liquor. Like. Now, now that you're, now that the Christmas is coming around, I just got remind mid <laughs> remound of last year's holiday party for your office, uh-huh. where we had the a surplus cakes. of very fancy rum cakes. They just one bite and you were drunk. So good. They were very good and they were very thick with rum. How much did those rum cakes cost each? 
like ninety dollars. <laughs> no, maybe it was it was less. It was like sixty. Maybe, maybe six. They were like a lot for a cake, though. But it it was like uh, <clears throat> it was like a round bunt cake, and it was like in a very beautiful, ornate design that you know looked like a castle. It was it was beautiful. Fun fact: they're made by Pat Benatar's assistant. Really? Yeah. No I remember shit. one day she came by and she dropped them off in like a fancy, like an S-class Benz. And I was just like, I was in my head, I was like, dude, this lady selling cakes. Love is a battlefield. Enough to make S-class money. And then she was like, sorry, I've got to run. My boss is, is calling me. And I was like, oh, these are not your cakes. And she's like, oh, no, I work for Pat Benatar and I've been her assistant <laughs> for 30 years. Wow. Yeah. That's great. She is strong. Side hustle. No one can tell her she's wrong. No. Man. Um, but those cakes, like I would love to get that recipe because it was just like a delicious, like super custardy, moist, like perfectly spiced cake that was like real. It was like a cross between I like. I think it was the glaze more than anything. <clears throat> I yeah, think there, the was, cake there was is a good a glaze. Pretty like. Basic, you know, vanilla or angel food cake recipe. But it was, I think, and it's just a very porous, like spongy yeah. cake by nature. So you just glaze it overnight and you leave it. I'm pretty sure. But there was just a bottle of rum in there. Oh, easily, if not more. And yeah, one slice. Yeah, one slice. If you like, you know, on its side, tried to cut it with a fork, you saw like liquid yeah. seeping out of it. And it was, it was a fun, you know. Much, I hope that becomes my new tradition, because, like. My post-Thanksgiving tradition of eating a sandwich for lunch every day. My post-holiday party, I, I, there was like a bunch left over, and I had some rum cake in my house. And I would just, during the holiday season time, like nobody's working. There's a party every night. You're drunk. You're eating food. You're just like a fat piece of shit. You're hungover. You've gained every day is a holiday in yeah, this you, dark you, life. You, you know, between December fifteenth and January first, you've gained ten pounds, and you just don't care anymore. So, like, I was eating rum cake for breakfast. That's so dark. And whenever it was like, it was so perfect because you would eat it because you like you wake up and you're like, oh, that sounds good, a cake, and then, you know, it's nine thirty and you're. You know, looking, checking pitchfork, and you got a little buzz going. Is that what you do at nine thirty? It's not. It was a okay. joke. <laughs> you're, uh, you know, you're it really worse. You're scouring uh, the Harvard Journal of Medicine. <laughs> no one's doing you that. <laughs> and I w- and you got a little buzz going in the morning, and and it, you feel like it's your little secret because you haven't. Can, you you didn't drink any alcohol. You just ate this cake. How bad could it be? And then you have your own little secret buzz going, and you, which is really wrong. And then you find yourself on the floor of a Turkish prison, <laughs> thinking it was just cake. And then you know, and then somebody wo- found me underneath the bridge, and they're like, "Jason, when you need to go and DJ at Soho House tonight, wake up." <laughs> is this person a bridge troll? <laughs> Yes. Jason. <laughs> yeah, I had to answer three riddles, and he gave me a free Uber 20% off coupon. In the balls. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to talk about, the last, because holiday season's coming up, and when you're a food person gift-giving, I always just get people food stuff for the, for the holidays, and you do too, I think. For my birthday, you gave me a sweet knife roll. 
a knife roll? Mm-hmm. Is that a weird sex thing? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's how you know you're an actual chef when you have a little black Velcro strap thingy that you keep all of your cool knives in. So far, it still sounds like a weird sex thing. Uh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It sounds more like a sushi item. Black Velcro roll with knives. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all points to SNL. I, I keep all of my elements in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, on Amazon now, you can purchase the Searsall for for seventy five dollars. Do you know what the Searsall is? No. Do tell. It's this thing that uh, was funded on Kickstarter. And it was. I'm out. It was. <laughs> I hate everything on Kickstarter. Ever. I know, but this this one is actually cool. It's it's um and it was really pushed hard and publicized by David Chang. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's basically this tool. Like for so many years, chefs would uh, use blow torches to do brulees. Oh. To like, not like a Sears catalog, like a sear. Yes, okay. it's it's spelled Searsall, S E A R Z A L L. How edgy! <laughs> Very edgy, um, and it it sells for seventy five dollars, which is fairly respectable. And it's basically an attachment that you put on the end of a blowtorch to turn it into a super high powered, super well controlled and well displaced uh, heating unit and handheld broiler thing. And it's really pushed for people who are doing sous vide dishes. And you, after you've sous vide a steak, for instance, and cooked it to a perfect medium rare, you would then pull it out and then sear it with this sears all really quick before you serve it. What's the difference between this and a blowtorch? Well, the blowtorch before is has a very small flame. Like it's just the flame is just as big as the hole, which is like you know. Mm-hmm. Quarter inch, half an inch size. Not that small. Yeah, about about where you're sitting out on a cold day, and yeah, on a, at seventy degrees. And it's just, and you're just hitting it with direct, kind of butane flame. So you get kind of a weird chemical aftertaste, and the and the flame displacement is, it's not so much, it's not as much heat as it is actual flame, and you have to get really close to get on it. So it basically takes that heat and flame and disperses it through technology somehow. I don't know. But the uh, the actual opening on it is maybe like three inches in diameter. or like Tuna can. Eh, it, it maybe a little bit smaller than a tuna can, and it, and it kind of looks like a... I mean, it, it looks like a weird um, like steampunk device. How useful is this for anyone, like a, a home cook? It's useful... Who's like making creme brulee or... Sous vide dishes. It's on the not rack. that useful for a home cook. I don't own a blowtorch and I've never used it, but it would come in handy. F- I would definitely use it if I had the the power to do a very controlled um, broil. Because like I have a broiler on my oven, which is just a shitty home oven, and it actually works pretty well for like broiling a piece of salmon. But you, I would like to brulee something really quick in a bowl kind of thing right before you're about to serve it and this allows you to do that like i made uh, a tuna salad today and just ate it straight up without you know not on a bread or something like that but i could take some cheddar cheese sprinkle it on top and hit it with the sears all in five seconds and i've made a 
a great Instagram post. I, I've made a great Instagram post. I've made a a uh, a gluten free tuna melt that looks that probably looks and I hate everything you just said. <laughs> but that's seventy five dollars. It's never you're never gonna use it. <clears throat> it's not for your average home cook, of course, right. because the average home cook doesn't have a fucking blowtorch in the kitchen. But some people do, and also it's 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 cheap enough to where you could encourage you to do some pretty interesting stuff. You can do roasted marshmallows and s'mores on the fly. You do that on a stove. Eh. Keep going. I'm playing devil's advocate here because I'm not about this thing at all. That's fine. Well, you know, why aren't you about it? Because it sounds like it's it sounds pointless. <laughs> it's. It's it, it creates this like false need, but it doesn't like you know it it I don't know like the iPad when the iPad came out everyone said it was useless and then it created a false need mm-hmm. but then we saw how it filled a bunch of holes in your life. This is trying to like bank on that sort of uh, like idea, but there's there's no use for it. I think it's like, more. I'm not going to use the, it on the toilet. It's more. It's 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 useless to. Somebody so like ninety nine percent of the world. Well, so is a sous vide machine. So is a Le Creuset uh, Dutch oven that costs four hundred dollars. French oven, and I had gift cards, and it was a floor so model. Is, so is a Viking range. So is a five hundred dollar Japanese sushi knife. That's not true. These are all the so best is, versions of their things. Whereas this is a gadget. So is it there? I could go on all day long. I have so much shit in my kitchen that nobody needs. That why do you have it? Because I need it. Like what? Food processor. That's so useful, though. But I lived my whole life without having one up until a few months ago. When yeah, but you had a blender, which was close. This is a better version of a blender. This is a better version of a blowtorch. This is something no one has in their kitchen. <laughs> Plus, like, you know, you could get spray paint or hairspray. (laughs) (laughs) And a lighter. WD-40 on a lighter. That's that's how you do it? Yes. What was the first thing you burned with, with with, like, spray paint or hairspray when you were a kid? Probably a spider. I couldn't find anything in my house that I thought, like, I wouldn't get in trouble for burning. So I I burned a can of Spam. And I remember distinctly it was metallic paint, and it turned the flame green. Oh. Did you still eat the Spam afterwards? No, why would I do that? Good I just, like, I left it on my lawn. <laughs> Good boy. Also, do you know how expensive Spam is? It's way too expensive. It's so crazy expensive. I had never had gone shopping for Spam before. Spam is an ingredient like so many other ingredients that... Used to be dirt cheap. I thought it was like ninety nine cents a can, but it's like four dollars <throat> and something a can. Yeah, it's like four dollars something for a can. Used to be poor people food. For you, or Hawaiian food. For four dollars, you can get two pounds of ground pork, or you can get a can that's the size of a cigarette box. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But all the, there's so many ingredients like that, like oxtail. Uh huh. Back in the day, I think it's just they're trendy ingredients now. Like spam has had. Yeah. Spam musubi and all that stuff. Hundred percent. That I mean, so many ingredients like oxtail, um, like pig's ears, pig's feet. All these ingredients that were just throwaway stuff. Liver, 
it's all really expensive now because people are using it as a gourmet ingredient, which sucks for all the poor people out there who really know how to cook that shit really well. Yeah. They're just they're gonna have to. Uh, Start eating lentils. We're gonna have to start slumming it with pork belly now. <laughs> I made really good lentil soup uh, the other day. Ooh. We had leftover ramen broth at work, so I used like pork. Like how long have you worked at Bon Appetit for? Ha 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 ha. Fuck has leftover ramen broth? We at do, work? we do, Jason. <laughs> and so it was like a pretty traditional lentil soup. Other than like you know. But you flipped it on its head. With a some rack umami of umami flavor. A rack of bacon. To brown the veg in first and then, like, just okay. mostly pork stock. And it was the best lentil stew I've ever made. Soup. Oh. You Except made, I didn't you have made, beluga lentils, so I just used green-ass lentils. So you made a pork smoothie with lentils in it? Yes. <laughs> sounds delicious. It was so good. Have you ever used a ham hock? Uh, no, because I like I was just trying to use up the ramen broth. Yeah. I didn't go out and buy a ham hock, Jason. Start exploring the ham hocks. Oh, no, I'm not mad at a ham hock at all. I love a ham hock. Mm -hmm. I also... That's another ingredient. We started a swear jar at work today. So I've been just coming up with creative (laughs) ways. And ham hock was one of the things I called one of my coworkers today. Mm. I thought it was funny and kind of cute. Great callback. Yeah. It is funny and cute. You ham hock. And safe for children of all ages. Well. Well, you ham hock, it's been a lovely pod. We've done it. I know you didn't feel great at first. For listeners at home, you texted me, can we start over about 20 minutes into it because you thought it sucked? <laughs> Thanks, Jason. But I knew we'd pull out. I love to see your confidence on this pod every week. Uh. Um, thank you for listening. If you are a fan of this show, please go on iTunes and subscribe. Tell a friend. Give us a five-star rating and review. That really helps us out, and we can start doing more things. Please send money. <laughs> please send money. Times are tough. The holidays are here. Spam's four cans, dollars a can. Spam's four dollars a can. This is a free podcast, goddammit. <sighs> you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at themjeans. You could follow Chris Chang on Instagram and Twitter at the real Catherine Heigl. The real Catherine Heigl. Please watch my show. It looks horrible, and I need all the <laughs> ratings I can get. I have a child. I uh, think I have a child. Thank you, Catherine. You're welcome. No one likes me, do they? Not usually. I'm sort of the Anne Hathaway of blondes. <laughs> Interstellar is horrible, by the way. I know it's a food podcast, but I'm just going to get into that. I hated Interstellar with every bone in my body. Don't bother seeing it. Speaking of bone in your body and movies, <laughs> and movies, there's a there's a movie, this is our last final note, and then we'll leave. There's a movie based on Bourdain's first book called Bone in My Throat, or Bone in Your Throat. I've never even heard of this. You've heard of that. No, I've never heard of it. You've heard of A Bone in Your Throat. <laughs> Have you heard of this Bourdain novel from the year 2000 called no. A Bone in Your Throat? No, and I've never heard of this movie. When's this coming out? It's coming out soon. The preview's available online, but it's uh, the preview's available online. But it's not a food movie as it's. it seems like a British crime thriller involving <laughs> the mafia. Sounds about right. It's like It's like... Some like warlord gang controls a restaurant. Warlord gang. Warlord gang controls a restaurant. It, and like, you know, the the chef has to fight back against this mafioso character. It has nothing to do with food. Okay. Well, on that note, please so check watch it out. my show, State of Affairs. You can. <laughs> 
Uh, you can follow Chris Chang on social media for real at Negnance, N-E-G. Sell out. N-A-N-C-E. Check out all of his horrible tweets. <laughs> and, don't favorite him if you don't like him, Jason. Pretty good, pretty good photos on Instagram. Um, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye, I love you. Bye.